The epics of Homer and Virgil remain essential reading for the educated person today, both for what they can tell us about the foundations of Western civilization and for what they tell us about the unchanging human condition. Our perpetual questions about war and peace, hate and love, death and life, the moment and the eternal. But few students indeed arrive at college ready to read the epics in the original Greek or Latin. Thus we need lively and accessible translations capable of capturing the attention of college freshmen and sophomores, of drawing graduates into the pleasures of repeated readings, and of introducing readers at all stages of life to the wonder of the ancient epics. For many years, Stanley Lombardo has met this need. His translations of the Iliad, the Odyssey, and the Aeneid are staples of the Western Civ sequence at OBU, as they are at colleges and universities around the English-speaking world. Professor Lombardo has translated many texts, from Sappho and Protagoras to the Tao Te Ching. He earned his BA at Loyola University in New Orleans and has an MA from Tulane, as well as a PhD from the University of Texas. Beginning in 1976, he taught Greek and Latin at the University of Kansas, where he also served as department chair and as director of the honors program. After a few technological difficulties, I managed to speak with Professor Lombardo via cell phone, so I apologize for the audio quality in this episode, but what he has to say makes it well worthwhile to listen. Professor Lombardo, welcome to The Permanent Things. Could you begin by telling us a little bit about how you first met Homer and fell in love with his work? I started reading Homer in Greek as uh, an undergraduate at the University of New Orleans in, um, in 1965. I decided to be a classics major because I wanted to be a poet, and I figured uh, learning Greek and Latin would be my uh, whole life, um, you know, high school and uh, first years of uh, undergraduate uh, work, um, uh, poetry was really the pulse of my life. I uh, practiced all of the fixed forms, uh, did everything I could to improve uh, as a poet. And then I signed up for classical Greek and the elementary course was based on Homer's Odyssey and the second year of the elementary book. And when I learned how to read Homer out loud in Greek, uh, everything shifted for me. I no longer so much wanted to write my own poetry, so I continued throughout most of my life to do that. And uh, if I wanted to uh, uh, mind merge uh, with Homer and to be able to uh, transform you know, his Greek uh, into English. Um, I had a sense to realize that I'm in about 20 years of uh, experience uh, with Greek and <clears throat> with um, the art of translation. And I didn't start uh, translating the language until. 1992, so that would be, what, 27 years later. And I, um, I, so to speak, uh, warmed up on uh, lesser works, um, writing 
I see. Well, that explains a lot, that beginning with, with poetry, because um, your translations are so uh, readable and so uh, lively. Um, more than any I've read, they're accessible to college freshmen and others encountering such books for the first time. So could you tell us a little bit about what you do to make ancient works approachable for a modern audience? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I translate the performance, oral performance. I understood early in my study that Homer um, didn't write. The younger generation of uh, his books uh, were performed by professionals called Black uh, Uh And they felt it began as performance. And then it becomes a written text in Greek, written after it's a written text, nobody ever reads the funny manuscript, you know, always listen to, you know, a trained reader or performer. And then ultimately it becomes a Greek text, and the Greek text is resurrected in the Renaissance, in the West. Um, and you have a couple of centuries of textual criticism producing a definitive Greek text. And then I go to translation uh, in English. There's only the third step in that process. And the third step is performed. If you begin with the performance, a Greek text is produced on the basis of that performance. An English translation is produced on the basis of that Greek text. And the performance, theatrical, original performance, uh, completes the process. So when I translate, I, I always uh, recite, not by wrote simply, but trying to bring it to life as poetry in Greek, um, determining how the rocks felt. This is maybe what it would have sounded like. And I try to capture that voice in his voice. And of course, he inhabits all of his characters. I have the little voices, but his voice is at the bottom of his office. Um, trying to reproduce that somehow in English uh, with such skill and like as, you know, as a poet and as I said I was always trying to hone those skills. When I was in high school I was so much in love with poetry that I would spend hours in a rocking chair uh, listening for instance to Richard Burton read the lot of the ancient America uh, Dylan Thomas reading uh, poetry, whatever I could, you know, get my hands on, uh, you know, LP recording days, uh, and I would just rock back and forth and listen and then recite along with the poet, and that's how I approach Homer in, yeah. in the same way. Yeah, I really appreciate that, that emphasis on, on the oral. Some of the greatest teachers of poetry I've had have uh, spent a lot of time in class simply reading aloud to us. And, uh, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so um, you've devoted so much of your life to um, the works of Homer and to Virgil. So why, why would you say people today should read, for instance, the Iliad? Of course, I think they should listen to it. Yes. So I do have audio recordings of the Iliad uh, in the Yes. And uh, once, uh, get, get the same with, uh, with the Aeneas, with all these metamorphoses, with Dante's Divine Comedy, all of which I've translated. Mm. So I'm really serious about you know, the performance of 
So um, clearly your, your first step of advice for a student encountering this material for the first time is to, to listen. And uh, we do have actually recordings, uh, your audio recordings in our library with the uh, drum accompaniment and everything. So I would encourage yeah. our students to listen to that. What other advice would you give to students encountering Homer and Virgil for the first time? Wonderful advice, and uh, hopefully something that will also bring our students together in their reading, um, reading together out loud. You know, Homer has those moments 
where his fondness for a character seems to break out. You know, my, my Patroclus or Eumaeus, my swineherd. Are are there any <laughs> are there any characters in in the Homeric epics of whom you you are particularly fond? Um, I'm very fond of Patroclus. I think I So many of our students will um, just be heartened to hear you endorse their own their own feelings when when encountering the text. Um, you know, so so often students come to an ancient work and they feel like perhaps there's some uh, one correct sort of response they should have, and they're afraid to have their own sort of emotional responses to the story. Oh, yeah. question you have translated a just remarkable range of things um, what are you what are you currently working on well an unusual project um, I thought I had nothing left uh, and then 
and Bananas is a 4th century AD Egyptian, Greek, and Panopolis of Egypt. He wrote in 48 books, so almost twice as long as the Iliad and Odyssey. The books are a little shorter. The life and times of the god Dionysus, um, beginning way before she burns. Thank you for taking time to, to talk to us today. Uh, I, I want to thank you for you know, talking in my translations uh, uh, for your course. It means a lot to me. Wow. And I please thank you for all of this things for very much. Well, you, you are a, stable at, at, a staple at OBU. We, um, um, we use I, you I, constantly. I'm really, I'm really glad. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. <laughs> so thank you again.